What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Top 10% Podcast. I am, again, your host, Dan Carter, and today is Tuesday, uh, May 17th, and we have a guest uh, with us this week from Magnus, uh, Derek Craig. So stay tuned. We're going to talk turkey and some video stuff and uh, a lot more on the photography side um, with Derek. And I think Travel is going to join us as well. So stay tuned for a great show. <laughs> Bro, I just shot T-Bar. Oh, my God. Look at that top. This episode of the Top 10% Podcast is brought to you by Top 10% Hunting Headquarters, located in Coldwater, Michigan, your premier AR manufacturing outlet. Let's get back to your host, Dan Carter, of the Top 10% Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Top 10% Podcast. It's me, Dan Carter again. I got Tribal with me, and our special guest from Magnus, Derek Craig. So I'm going to hand the mic right over to Derek, have him do an introduction. Welcome uh, welcome on with us, Derek. Man, we appreciate you having you. Thanks. I really appreciate uh, you guys uh, letting me be here. Scott and I were joking earlier, uh, I hadn't been up here for a couple of years through the whole COVID thing. So it's uh, nice to come back and see the improvements you guys have made to the shop and adding the firearms line and and uh, the whole place looks awesome. If you guys, anybody out there is in the cold water area, you need to stop by this place. It's uh, quite the shop, really. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we um we did make a quite a bit of revamps around here, obviously with the podcast studio in the back, which everybody doesn't really see, and and then Ricky's got her place over here and with the salon in the back as well. So uh, we're full house now. <laughs> we are, you know, everything up front. You know, obviously we got video stuff going on in the corner. We got the range on the other side, so we got it all. Getting ready to set up the outdoor range again. I know we were talking about that earlier too off. Uh, off record so nonetheless let's uh, not bore you with any more of the stuff that you guys should already know if you don't like Derek said get down here and see us other than that um, so Derek tell us about you how did you get started in the industry how did you get started with Magnus yeah so um, you know I'm uh, I'm from northeast Indiana and um, I really didn't grow up hunting it was one of those things that I kind of dabbled a little bit late in high school and then after I graduated college got into and um, I'm an engineer and, and so I'm typically when I dive into something, I dive in head first and then I, oh yeah. And then the nerd in me comes out and I'm like, okay, how can I go deeper down this rabbit hole and improve on stuff? And, um, so the whole Magnus thing and then the whole video thing, which is, you know, my other, uh, shtick that I basically do is they kind of morphed along together and, mm-hmm. um, really kind of it started briefly with. I, I got into bow hunting, you know, after like most people start gun hunting, you start bow hunting. And, um, then I have two daughters and they, they were young and they wanted to hunt. And so just me being the typical dad, I mean, I'm talking now like 2007 ish, eight ish, uh, when they were of age that they could start youth hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to film it, you know? And so you go and buy a camera and you film stuff. And so I just started filming stuff and doing these basic edits. And then that kind of led me into the whole Magnus thing. And I met, uh, Mike Somm, the owner of Magnus Broadheads back in 
2008 or nine. And, uh, it was, uh, at that time he was developing the product, which we call the Magnus bullhead, which is the head chopping broadhead for, uh, turkeys. turkeys. And there was a competitor out there. There was the uh, guillotine broadhead. It was a four bladed head, uh, that you had to put these little green straws on and all that stuff. And so I was, uh, I was, I've always been a big turkey hunter since, uh, not short, not too long after I started hunting. Um, and, uh, you know, turkey hunting through the, well, up until even recent years now, we all know there's kind of this decline in turkeys, but, you know, I was gun hunting like everybody. And it was almost too easy. Sure. Um, so I wanted to bow hunt them because I'd gotten into bow hunting for deer. And, and so, you know, I was losing, I, for every bird I'd kill with a body shot, I'd probably lose two, you mm-hmm. know, and which was just, it was a me issue. I mean, you, you got to hit them right. And I was sure. And this guillotine came out in a, another bow shop in, in, uh, the Northeast Indiana area that's now closed. Um, they were at ATA or some show or something like that. And the, the owner brought back a, a couple packs of these guillotines. And so I started shooting them and couldn't get them to fly and all this. So Mike, Mike's coming out with the, uh, the bullhead and, and through archery talk business before Facebook, you know, and all that, all the forum days, yeah, the yeah. forum days, archery talk, which is still going today, surprisingly, but he was on there and I was, so I just messaged him. I'm like, Hey, I want to know about Tell this product. Yeah. You know, because I've been struggling. So he's like, well, you know, we we just kind of came out with it. We're still, you know, kind of working through some bugs and stuff. And so I bought a couple packs from him and and uh, kind of messed around and, and kind of figured some stuff out on, on trying to get him to fly. Um, and I ended up killing a turkey. Mm-hmm. And I filmed it. This was 2009, I think. And I filmed it. And uh, posted it on my YouTube channel because I I've been on YouTube since 2007 2008. Okay, so the early days of YouTube and put it on there and Mike was just like, "Holy cow! Like this is really like right. good." I mean, it was like a six seven yard kill. It was all on film. I actually had a trail camera in the early days of video on trail cameras. I actually had a trail camera catch this bird coming around the corner. So I had that footage. Threw together this little edit. And he loved it. And so we developed this working relationship from then on. And, you know, he, being an engineer, uh, he really gravitated towards that with me. And we just became really close friends. And so through that, we started developing the Bullhead product and figuring out how integral the arrow system is to the flight of the Bullhead. Absolutely. Obviously, the tune, the shooting form, like it's a whole system approach. And so I started end up being basically tech support for the bullhead in particular and doing support videos on the bullhead. Like uh, I came up with a, a series that's on the YouTube channel for Magnus and it's on the DVD that's in every pack of the bullhead. It's called Setup to success. And where I take you the newbie mm-hmm. from knowing nothing about how to get a bullhead to fly to probably covering 95% more or plus of the issues that you could come up with walking well, you through that process. The thing too, with the bullhead is, you know, anybody that hasn't, dabbled with anything even going back to the guillotine days or anything like that there's so much differences in traditional broadhead flight you know how much tuning involved in in just broadheads anyway whether it's fixed expandables or even field points or arrow selections and length and there's so much to that that a lot of people think they're just going to go you know to somewhere archery shop big box store and buy a box of arrows and throw these on there and it's going to happen it's not (laughs) it's not 
No. And, and, you know, a lot of that comes down to, again, you know, as an engineer, it's, it's easier for me to understand the physics behind it, but imagine it this way is you've got these three giant blades on the front mm-hmm. of this air. It's like three big airplane wings, but now they're on the front of the airplane. Right. And now your airplane's this long stick. And so those wings want to steer, you know, that arrow wherever it goes. And so I can't change the physics, you know, behind, you know, what's going on with the air, the, the forces and the aerodynamics up front. So you got to combat that with straightness of arrow and, and over stiff in the arrow. And then mm-hmm. you got to be able to steer it on the back end. So like little blazer type veins don't t- typically do work. It. You yep. typically gonna have to go with a four or five inch feather. And so we sell the, the victory arrows with a, uh, a four fletch, four inch feather feather. We got a dog in the room. Yep. That's itty bitty. That's itty bitty in the background over there. So, so we came up with this arrow system that covers the bulk of the uh, situations for people. And then, I end up working a lot with um, with NFL and NBA players who are hunters or retired ones. And, I mean, these guys are gorillas. I mean, you're talking big guys, you know, six right. foot six. They got these huge wingspans, so they're shooting, you know, draw lengths of 31, 32 inches. And some of them, you know, are for them to pull, say, a 60-pound bow feels like a kid's toy. So they want right. to shoot a 70- or 80-pound bow. And when you start getting into that, the whole physics and throwing a bullhead on the front, it all changes. So we have to work through these special cases. But we came up with this arrow system that covers the bulk of hunters out there. Which is the package one that you guys offer, right? Correct. Now. Or we sell the arrows individually as well sure. uh, for those who just have the bullhead. So then I work I work with Magnus and Mike on that tech support. Like if we have a customer who's having some tuning issues trying to get something to fly, he'll direct them to me and I'll work with them individually and try and work through the bugs. And then, you know, using the video side to just continually keep pumping out um, new content for Magnus, new tutorial stuff, um, also new product development. I mean, we had a product for a few years. I wish we still had it uh, called the Bow Pod. It, it was mm-hmm. a uh, support system for the front of your bow when you're ground blind hunting. Um, I co-designed that with Mike. And then in 2014, we launched it in 2015 was when... Mike and I had designed the uh, Black Hornet series of broadheads. So, um, so yeah, so I do a lot of RD product development. Um, You know, I just kind of like the jack of all trades for him. And over the years, you know, I've known him since like 2009 and he's really has become one of my dearest friends. Um, You know, we talk all the time. Uh, He's in Great Bend, Kansas, where Magnus is from. He started great or Magnus back in uh, now it's 37 ish, maybe 35 or 38 years ago. Uh, he started out of his mom and dad's bedroom, um, in their house and expanded it to a small shop. And now he's in his big production facility and we just had a machine line. So it's still in Great Bend, Kansas, still made in the USA. And then I'm here in Indiana. So he and I text, call each other. I mean, almost every day I was actually texting before we walked in here about a sure. couple of things. Um, and then we get together a couple of times a year, you know, ATA or uh, like last summer I flew out there and we did a bunch of video work and everything and talk business and all that. But yeah, so it's been a fun journey and that's really been my main vehicle into the industry where then, you know, from that you can spot, you can spur off and you end up meeting great people and, you know, working with guys like Dave Smith and Brad Cochran of Dave Smith decoys and yep. Uh, the guys at Hotshot Archery, um, you know, there's been some relationships with, you know, various other companies that I've worked with over the years. And, but Magnus is, you know, my home and Mike's just such a great guy. And I'll, I'll be with Mike until the day he decides he doesn't want to, he's going to close the doors on yeah, Magnus or got, sell it off. So. He's got a good thing going. You know, I, I, 
I mean, we'll spin right into that for a second too, is because you mentioned them already is the Hornets are just, they're impressive from, for a deer broadhead or, you know, even, even from a Turkey standpoint, if you're taking body shots and not doing the, you know, the bullhead situation and, and, you know, because we have people out there that they, that's just not the style that they, you know, those, those Hornets are deadly. Yeah, they really they're are. A, they're a wicked, wicked head. They are. They they fly great. Um, you know, I come from years of using, you know, muzzies. I started on the muzzy game. Uh, I think a lot of people started there, and then wanting something that had some different tunability or some you know better flight aspects. Or you know, I love the serrated thing, and and there's just a lot of different things. My dad's you know obviously anybody that listens knows he's the custom knife maker, so that side of it pulls me into wanting high quality steel, something high carbon or something that holds an edge or does all these things. So, you know, even we went through different things with the G five stuff, you know, with, with their stuff that was, mm-hmm. was good too, but ending up with everything in my, you know, in my arsenal is also those Hornets, you know, those black Hornets are, are they're phenomenal. So I, you know, tell me a little bit about those and your involvement in, in what you, you know, what you guys worked on with that or, or, you know, the design attributes and what somebody could expect if they're, you know, they're out there looking for a broadhead right now. Yeah. So, um, back in the day when we developed that, you know, in 2014, we worked on that project all that year. Um, there were a couple others in the industry that were making a squattier, wider broadhead. It was like this, you know, the trends come and go mm-hmm. in every industry and, and archery is no different. Um, and so Mike was, wanting a new product and so between his machinist at the time and he and I we started kicking around some different ideas and uh, his machinist kind of pencil sketched uh, up at like this fat squatty thing thought that they could the challenge was how how can we use a feral design that is very similar to what we were using with the stingers and stinger buzz cut lineup yep because we didn't want to reinvent that and if you know anything about the broadhead industry the problem really ends up being patents um, it, you don't want to step on somebody else's toes and man, about the time you think that you've come up the, with the new feral Somebody or the new blade yep. interlocking system, you start running the patent searches and you're like, oh man. So we didn't want to reinvent the wheel there. We wanted to incorporate that. So as a machinist, um, did a couple of little pencil, pencil sketches and said, well, I think if we did something like this, we'd use essentially the same type of feral. Well, that's what design. I was going to say. Is it something where you guys spun off of that stinger feral to yeah, kind of make it where it is now? Yeah. If you, if you lay them side by side, they don't look identical, but you can they're definitely close. see yeah, they're see from it. the same family group, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so then I started doing some drawings and, and some different work on it. And then, they started throwing together prototypes and we, they started shipping them back to me and I started, you know, critiquing them and ultimately, you know, shooting them, see what we could do with them and all that, see how well they flew. Um, I killed the first animal that, that one of them, one, one of the prototypes that ever killed, it was a buck, uh, here in Indiana, nothing overwhelming, but we had to get something down and it was a 125 inch eight pointer and filmed it and we used that as a product launch video for at ATA that 2015 when when we launched that product so it's been a, a great selling product it's a really cool product because it's a wider cut it's a much thicker blade steel than mm-hmm. the stingers um, it's got that nasty bleeder blade on it the blades are back blade sharpened so let's say you bury that uh, arrow in the offside shoulder of a deer 
and he's running off. And, and that, as that arrow's trying to work its way out, it's in there just cutting and chopping. And, you know, ultimately the goal is uh, larger entry holes, um, you know, more devastation, hopefully more blood on the ground, hopefully a, a shorter tracking job, you know, for the hunter. You know, and any broadhead's going to do the job when you put it in the right, right spot. Place, yeah. But you really, one of the goals that we have is to have a broadhead that uh, does its job when we don't necessarily do our job as good as we should have, right. you know, as hunters. So, yeah, it's more forgiving on, on, on that aspect. If, if somebody does yeah. make a mistake or there is... Me. Wow, come on. I know you're good, but you know. I mean, you guys lost me when you said engineering. <laughs> I was you know, like, oh, here comes some long talk, winded shit. That's no kidding. And then and, he pointed at me for bad shots. <laughs> what the world? <laughs> I just sitting there in my mom business. <laughs> but, you know, one of the reasons we get them to fly and the stinger, buzz cuts, and, and everything that we've got to fly, we get them to fly so well is we're the only company that we know of, I, I'm a 1,000% sure of it, that every head that leaves the line the tip is micro-tuned within three thousandths of an inch to the true center line. So the theory behind that is, one, if you machine the, sh- the ferrule true, which we spot right. check those as well, right. then you put on the quality blade and then you micro-tune that tip out. As long as you're on a properly spined arrow and your bow is tuned, there's no way it cannot not fly well. I mean, it has right. to fly well right. at that point in time. Um, you know, so you throw them on the spin and then we randomly spin check them. Hell, we randomly pull out heads and just start shooting them too, just to well, do the to. real world test. Yeah, you as have well. to, you have to, I mean, if you're going to sell product and, and you're going to, you're going to promote it the way that you guys promote it. And I mean, once you put a pack in your hand and you shoot them, I can tell you that, you know, obviously, you know, the conversations Jeremy and I had about them, he's like, look, I'm telling you right now this direction's the direction to go. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, yeah. you've seen as much as I have or more. And and now sitting here listening to the tech side of it with you, which I'm kind of a tech guy as well. So I can understand and appreciate all of those tight tolerances and, you know, all these different fine tuning things that goes into something to reach that ultimate quality product. Like you said, quality is not quality. If you just have a cue, you know what I mean? It's either, it, it takes the whole word. So yeah. when you put all those pieces together and the tunability of them is not, it's not like, that's the other thing is there's so many out there that, and I hate to say this, but people just screw broadhead on the end of the arrow and they walk in the woods and they try and harvest an animal. It's really not the way that you should do it. You should obviously there we could go into a whole long a full podcast on what you should do prior to that. But nonetheless, it it's one of those things where even though these are tested and tuned by you guys and you guys are are going through that precision, when they when they get to someone, everybody shoots like you mentioned earlier, everybody shoots different. They're shooting different poundages, different arrow setups. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that you should Wait, definitely go through. You should be able to have your 70 pound, 30 inch draw, oh, here we go. 400 spined arrow, uh-huh. and screw any broadhead on wait a minute, wait a minute. shoot a deer at 50 yards. No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, so we did do. <laughs> so we did I'm not do, even going to stir that we pot. Hear, we hear Thanks all, for just keeping going right through We hear it all the time. All yeah. the time. But these broadheads can't hit the side of the barn. It, it could be a. It could yeah. be a. Any and we know better. Broadhead. That's the thing. We know better. But they'll be in here with a 400 or a, a, a or, you know, a 450 or it's 500. We go to paper. Spine. Yeah. And we go to paper tuning. It's going through the paper sideways. sideways. Yeah. Completely. Right, whacking out. And you're like, oh, 
You're yeah. like, why did this go off of two walls when you shot 20 yards? Well, you got to be able to blame it on something. It can never be the shooter's well, it's the fault. the guy at the yeah. other shop. He right. set it up. Right. Oh, down yeah, the, right. They went down the street or you something. You bought those yeah. arrows at Walmart on Clarence. <laughs> but, but we did, you know, speak about how well these things are tuned and how well they fly. And Scott was here and was out there in the yard watching. This is pre-COVID. We, uh, Jeremy and I, a couple, about three years ago, uh, got one of the... Cross, one of the Raven R10 crossbows. And I said, Hey, Jeremy, I get all these questions. Like, how are they flying out of these really high speed crossbows, you yeah, know, that we see, got now? And I'm, to the test. I'm like, I don't own one. And so he's like, well, come up to the shop. So we did. And so we shot out here in the range and then we went outside here and we set up a target. Remember that a hundred yards down mm-hmm. there. And he put it on a, on a bench and we kept it. It was like a 18 or two foot square target. And at a hundred yards, we kept it in that target. Mm-hmm. And I know, and we had a crosswind that day and we were kind of under the gun. We we're losing light. We we're trying to film some stuff. And I know for a fact, if it, knowing Jeremy, if we'd have spent more time with that crossbow, we'd have dialed it into where we were probably putting it a paper plate size at a sure. hundred yards, you know, we were a plate all the way up to 80. Oh yeah. I mean, it was incredible. And I, and it's funny. I put that video out there and you get guys like, Oh, that's not good flight. You know, I'm like, dude, like I even admitted that we didn't have a lot of time right. to set right. this up and, and, and Jeremy and I aren't crossbow guys, you know, I mean, well, you know, I so. mean, and, and you're always going to get, no matter what it is, you know, you're always going to get that, that question from somebody, you know, the guy that's, oh, you know, the, the, the guys the that's counting, right. But you're going to get the guy straight. that's counting ashtray change to buy his lunch that wants to make a millionaire comment. Like it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, right. And, so, I mean, I get where that's yeah, coming from. Of I do too. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you leave in the truck or in the car, or whatever. I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably at least hundred dollars worth of change in there. But Not still, that much of mine. I don't want these rednecks busting in getting my Cadillac. I know. I keep and my change. I keep thinking about that too. I'm like, man, I better get rid of that. But so, I think the precision of what you guys have done. And not just, it goes back, like you said, it goes back to what Mike had started many, many years ago. And he stayed true to that along, you know, because it's funny. You start digging into the history of the company and you start digging into the name, the Stinger name, and you start looking at those things. There's been a lot of mention of those names throughout the course of time that he was successful in it's almost like he kind of snuck through a lot of that where like, if you didn't have a good contact at an archery shop that was telling you, these are the go-to, these are the go-to, these are the go-to. There was such a saturation of other garbage out there. And I'm sorry, it's garbage. I mean, you guys might shoot something different, but there's a ton of it out there. That's garbage. It really is. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't just leave it on the shelf. You know, I hate to have it. We don't have it here. We don't sell it and we don't sell it for a reason. So I think that there's, there's a lot to be said by that. And a lot to be said with the footage and stuff that you have put out and the footage that we have and the amount of marginal kills, marginal shots that have resulted in quick harvest, you know, no suffering, none of that, you know. So, and that's the big, that's the big point. Like you said that, you know, you, if it's tuned well, it, it, it covers a little bit of the, I hate to say the stupidity behind it, but. Yeah, what's the warranty on these? Uh, the warranty is pretty short. It's only a lifetime. That's it. Just yeah, lifetime. Just That's a it. Lifetime. Just, just a lifetime. Lifetime. Hmm. lifetime warranty. And it's no questions asked, no bullshit. Um, you can uh, walk in any store, mm-hmm. buy them. Yep. Don't have to save your receipt. 
You damage one, bend it, break it in any way, short of losing it. That's the only thing we don't cover. All you do is take a photograph of it Damn with it. your phone. I had a couple I lost one e- time. <laughs> email it to customer service at magnusbroadheads.com. Include all your info and we send you a new one free of charge. So there's no, the days of sending broadheads back or whatever is done. You don't pay for shipping, you know, none of that stuff. It's lifetime. And and that also said, you know, I mean, you could go to your buddy's house and everybody's like, man, I got this pack. I'm a shot. You want to buy them? You're like, okay. Yeah. We cover that warranty. Yep. We don't care where yep. you bought it from. Right. We'd encourage anybody to buy them from a, a local shop, such sure. as you guys here. But you know, I mean, you can buy them on Amazon or whatever. Now I will say, speaking of that, watch when you buy on Amazon or eBay, because the counterfeits are out there. Yep. And, and, Magnus is no different than any other company. They're copying and making them in China. And, um, you know, we've had people try and warranty those and we can tell right away. And there's, you know, been a couple of times where we've been like, all right, whatever, we'll get you, you know, the real thing. The real deal. But, yeah. But, you know, one, and they, the people may not even know either. Yeah, they know. don't. They, they really don't. They get suckered into it and they see the low price tag. I mean, it's like anything. If the price is too good to be true, it's too good too, to be true. Yeah. But, you know, I want to circle back on something you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, working with the the bow shops really is your primary go-to. One of the things that Magnus has never done, um, we've never paid the big names. We've never paid the big names to shoot our product. We've never sponsored the shows, you know, Mm -hmm. paid the big money. The big name that we had for many years was Ted Nugent. Yep. We never paid him a dime. That was all strictly on a friendship basis. Sure. And when it came to money, that was when we parted ways with, with Ted about 10 or so years ago. So, we don't pay money, you know, yeah. to the shows to sponsor them and all that stuff. Uh, so really, it, it does come down to building relationships with the bow shops, building sure. relationships with the end customer, focusing on quality control and customer service. I mean, Mike is available to, you know, everyone. And he, he is really good about it. If you got a problem, you reach out to him on, on social medias or forums or, or email or something, and he's going to get right back with you. Well, on he it. takes it personal. He does. You know, it's, it's his I mean, baby. It's, it's his baby. Yeah, it exactly. That's where I was going to go with it. It's, it's one of those things. And, and you're just the same. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you take, you take it to heart from yeah. that aspect. I mean, it's the same thing with our ARs. I mean, somebody has an issue. Don't, don't, bad mouth us or anything call us call yeah. one of us you know yeah, what i mean we're like gonna fix it. yeah we're gonna take care of it one yeah. way or another you know or you know we'd like to say that we don't have issues but we are also human and we are also you know stuck with the manufacturing process and things happen you know they do tolerances get screwed up or weird things happen mm-hmm. at times and and we have to correct those and that's okay you know it's okay to be that there way and be hot, honest hot shooting cold shooting yeah i mean there's a lot of different things had, i mean had a woman was negative Negative temperatures out, and we're not, you know, the bull carriers are not. Yeah, they're not cycling like they cycling should. Cycling like they should be. Well, yeah. Here we, we are. Call us, we'll fix it. We walk them right through it. And yeah, and, and it you could know, be just simple of you got to keep a little bit less oil in it or this or that. Yeah, and you guys aren't, you guys know exactly what you're talking about. The, the problem today is social media makes it so easy for somebody who has a problem with something to just immediately pull out their phone and bitch on Facebook or some well, you know, outlet like that. And it's like, Dude, it'd be just easier if you just called us or sent us an email or a private message or something because we will work it out with you. Like, right. we're not perfect. I mean, we try. We try our damnedest, but we're not perfect. And we'll work it out and, and get a resolution for you. Sure, sure. So, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot to be said in that, you know, I mean, because you guys do have that heart 
is the basis of the company and that's that's huge and that's you know obviously that's why we why they're hanging on the shelf out there and i can tell you right now guys if you're out there and you're listening and you're going to change broadheads and you're going to go to magnus which i suggest that you do especially you know i mean i know turkey seasons are starting to wind down but you know and try these bullheads out come in see jeremy he can get you set up on those but um if you're going to go to the these these hornets these ah man we sell out every every year. That's where I'm year. going with it. Mm-hmm. Every single year we're out. I bought I bought two packages last year and I think that was the last two packages we had until after the season. And um and then I you know, obviously was scavenging around other places to pick up some other packages just in case because when you're hunting out of state and you know, obviously different things could happen. So um it, it's just one of those things where get out there, get them now. Um, you won't go back. I can tell you that you'll, yeah. you'll stay there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm super happy with, with what the results are. Yeah. We, and we also, you know, I mean, obviously everybody knows what the supply chain issues have been for the last couple of years, but you know, we were over, actually overwhelmed with uh, demand, you know, sure. we couldn't keep up. And so we actually last between Thanksgiving and Christmas period of last year, installed a new machine center in, um, in great Bend's and in, in the, our headquarters there. And so we've, and it, it, that machine center will do twice the capacity of the original. So in theory, we've, we've tripled our capacity. Now the problem we're having right now is a labor issue, which is, you know, Everybody's, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're doing, own a bow shop or a broadhead company or a, or a restaurant, uh, labor is the hard thing. Uh, so, you know, assembling is right now is a, the problem is having the issue, but we have increased capacity. And so hopefully, you know, we've cut those delivery times down and hopefully by this fall, we don't have the long delays that we've had in the past. And now the it's more reasonable. last year. Oh man. Yeah. That is a hot calls thing. from everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up actually giving people packages of heads that I had. And I was, I ended up hunting with heads that, that were like basically repurposed ones that, you know, I'd already killed deer with in the past and stuff. I actually right. gave people some. Yeah. Know? The 125s were, that's what I'm shooting. And that was the harder ones to find. Yeah, we sold out of the 125s quick to what we did have, and then we the phone never stopped for the 125s right up to mm-hmm. the season. Yeah, I mean, I bought what we had here, and then I, I bought some in another shop not far from, you know, my house. And I think I bought the last of what they had, and they got another box in, and he said they were sold before the box even hit the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of the same thing. I think Jeremy said the same thing. We had guys waiting on a list of, of when you guys, when Mike sent some more 125s in, I think those ones were gone, you know, immediately. So, yep. I I mean, there's just so much to be said about it. You know, uh, while we're on that side of it, is there anything new and up and coming that you can tell us about maybe that, uh, we should look for? Um, I'm not going to give you the throat slash like you, (laughs) I know, right? No, no, no. Um, the right now, again, the focus has been on, keeping up with production. We do have some things in the works. Um, probably the, the next new product and it's not really new would be a 150 grain version of the black Hornet. So, oh, wow. Okay. That would be, that's the next thing we've had a lot of, uh, requests from it, uh, guys on that, you know, as people want to go with the, he- the higher FOC, the heavier weight arrows and that whole trend. And so that's definitely is in the work, but we can't, we can't sacrifice machine time and assembly time on a new product when we can't keep up with the demand for the current, the current product. Right. And even with that high FOC and the high arrow demand, still the bread and butter is still always going to be a 100 or a 125 grain broadhead. That's right. what the bulk of hunters do. Even though there is that trend 
that trend is actually a small percentage uh-huh. of the overall, you know, and well, I'm there's sure other you guys ways. see it as there well. There are a lot yeah. of podcasts on that trend. Oh, I know there are. I know there are. Well, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of other ways to, to get that higher FOC to oh, yeah. that we can, throw, you know, obviously. Throw some inserts in. You can yeah, do different there's things. And there's a lot of different stuff that they can do. I mean. You can go in this direction. No, yeah. I'm not going this direction. No, but, but, but it's, yeah, <laughs> but it, that is going to be coming, that is going to be coming out. And then um, we got some other things in the works, but again, you know, it's just some of, some of it is okay. So I'm 53 and Mike's 62 and, and, you know, Mike's at the point like, you know, not that he wants to throw in the towel on this. He doesn't, but at some point, you know, you just got to kind of focus on keeping going with the brand you got. If, if, you know, you're in your thirties, you're looking at, okay, what, what's the next thing we can do? What's the next, you know, um, you know, the hot thing. So it's not that we're stagnant. We're just not as motivated to come up with new things and just risk. Just keep doing what you're good yeah, at. Exactly. Well, you can't, is, this is what I tell everybody. They get on my boat and they're like, whatever. And you can't leave fish to find fish. Yeah. You can't, you just can't. We're not going to leave a big deer in the woods if we know he's there. We we got a spot, right? And we know that big deer's there. We're not going to hunt the neighbors five miles down the road when we know the biggest deer there's a home on 20. We're just not going to do it. Nobody's going to. So don't, don't. And I mean, I guess that there's a lot to be said from that. So I think where you guys are headed in that direction is is good. I think that's a good thing. Obviously, establishing more equipment to be able to reach that demand and hopefully you know, hopefully there's some supply chain stuff as, you know, we won't go into a whole different tangent on that conversation, but hopefully things start improving right. and, and it starts progressing in the positive way where we don't have those shortages and we can sell hundreds or 125s to anybody that walks through the door. I mean, we got a good supply of them right now. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, but I can tell you, our guys shoot them and everybody will need at least a pack or two and mm-hmm. they'll be pulling them off the shelf. And if we do that today, we're out of stock. So get in here and get them. Yeah, we've, we've only we're only carrying magnets and one other broadhead. We have some clearance items still here, but yeah, we only have two. The, yeah, the the broadhead industry has become so saturated. We won't say the other name because this is your platform today. Um, well, I already said other know, names, but I was I was saying the other names we're to right. point them in the right for, direction. For what we no. carry, we do yep. have some other ones that we carry in here. Well, the reason we carry well, that is because it's an expandable. Yeah, you well, got to have well, that option. Well, yeah, that, and we, you know, there's a lot of good broadheads out there. Sure, but the market is so saturated, and and literally, a lot of the brands that are out there, you could find that brand in Walmart on the clearance section. Mm-hmm. And as a mom and pop store, we just cannot compete on that level. And then, but when you got a brand that literally kills on contact, flies great, proven time after time after time. And what's the warranty again? Uh, lifetime. Yeah, Life- lifetime. Time. Lifetime. Well, it's a no brainer. Well, I'll be. For us. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you time. know, I it, it's that says enough in itself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's the kind of product we want in this store. Well, that's it. It goes back to, to the main word. We said quality. That's it. I mean, quality. it's it's just quality. Everything we we try and not. So we we don't want to send brethren. you out. Yeah, I mean, we got to You know, the brethren's got to be strong with quality. So, that's, I, I that's think a, that that's a podcast <laughs> thing that we we got to keep it. We got to keep it going. Oh Lord. Yeah. The brethren. The brethren. The brethren. 
So yeah, it's all about quality and customer service, man. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And that's, that's what we, you know, and I guess that just it's, it's full circle here for us. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So, so let's, um, let's take an immediate left turn and let's go right into the other side of things. You mentioned quite a bit about, uh, early on in your relationship with, with Mike and where that developed from the videography side and, and the photo side and all the things. And I know, cause I've seen some of it, but you know, and Scott has as well, but yeah, tell I wanna, me, I want to, I want to jump here for a second. Oh God. I, I got to jump in here. Derek, you're closer. So no, if Derek, he gets crazy, Derek just has punch done, Okay. There's been a lot of talk on, on podcasts cause I'm starting to listen to some other ones. Sure. Um, and there was a pretty good one, um, that I was listening to called the fall. Yep. Aaron. Um, yeah. Aaron Blasey. Very good podcast. Um, had a guy on there, and he was talking about taste and professionalism. Instantly, I went right to Derek's stuff. In my mind, through social media, especially with, with in the turkey world and everything right now, the time we're living, your stuff that you've been putting out has been phenomenal. And, and, and it just was like, man, I ain't seen Derek in a while. I'm going to pick up the phone and call him. Because I was agreeing with the dude that was on. With Aaron. Yeah. Aaron about not giving ammo. But yet I want to tell people to go kiss my ass. That's hunt, sure. hunting. You're going to have blood and guts. But yet when I, I noticed that when I saw his stuff, I was like, man. I looked at his three times. It was like looking at a good titty instead of a bad titty. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It was like, damn. Well, what, that's a hell of a compliment right there. Oh, Lord. stuff and not trash. Right. So it was like, Derek's stuff was making me agree with this dude on the fall. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I got to kind of clean up my stuff a little bit. And, you know, we were already going that direction. Yeah, we had that direction anyway as far as. And, and what I think what you're trying to get at is a discrepancy without, without lighting this fire about a discrepancy over a Turkey that was harvested with a similar head to the bullhead. And it created some static on social media and things of that nature. And this gentleman was speaking about that and trying to put tasteful videography out there that tells the story, kind of like what we were talking about off record that tells the story without, I guess, I mean, I hate to, and excuse me for being frank, I hate to liberalize the situation and say we hunt, we harvest animals. In the end, if you cut yourself on a thorn or with a knife, you're going to bleed. So you're going to see it. So it's one of those things that this could really start a fire and I really don't care because I really don't care about any of that stuff like that. To, I mean, whatever, it is what it is because it's part of what we do. So there's something to be said in the harvest, but cleaning up the video side, and I'll let you spin on this and give your take about it here in just a second, Derek. I think it creates a tasteful image that you can put pieces of things in different places that don't create that spark or don't, you know, and we've seen a few of this and not just there, but there's been some other things out there too. So yeah, and- with, De- with Derek, don't, you've been doing and I've been watching, he's still harvesting. He's still out there killing, doing, uh-huh. doing you know, enjoying outdoors and doing the hunt harvest Mm -hmm. but the videography and the and the art and the we're telling the story it it is 
It's been very good, Derek, and it's been very good, and it's inspired my team. So, because we got some of the guys on our team that are really, really good, and even Jeremy Hawes, the brother, and up there, he could tell the story with the camera a lot better. And and you've kind of inspired Top Ten to go in that direction more, where we want our videography, our audio. Like it pisses me off when I hear the audio yeah. of this. Yeah. The podcast not sounding right. If it don't sound right, yeah, I mean, I'm calling Dan. I'm like, dude, this sounds like shit. Doesn't yeah. happen, by the way. Only once, and that was once, a once weird. Cooter, Cooter fuck, fucked it up. Yeah, oh, that was Cooter's fault. Well, so, so yeah, spin on, talk spin on that, talk Derek. Let's well, talk about you. you. Well, doing yeah. What so, doing. so, thank you. It's those compliments are incredibly humbling, and I really appreciate it. Thank oh, you very no much. Problem. They they mean they mean everything to me. So. um yeah, uh, so, you know, how, how do I start this off? Um, so, yeah, so again, I got into this, you know, as a dad filming his kids. And the engineer in me just wants to do things better all the time. Like, you know, I just like progressing at whatever I'm doing and coming up with a, a, a more polished challenge you know, factor. Yeah, just whatever like it me, is, yeah. man. I mean, if I, man, if I was a guy, I'm not into it, but if I was a guy who restored old cars, I'd be like, you know, eyeball deep in it, you know, going above and beyond. It's just the sure. kind of the way I am and the way I'm wired. So, and everything that, that Scott's saying about, you know, doing things tastefully, I've done things un- not tastefully on video. We all have. I mean, we all we have. have. I mean, yeah. there, I go back and look at some stuff and, and heck, I mean, we, one of our best videos on, on the Magnus YouTube channel is nothing but all these he- gory head chops of, yep. you know, of these, of these heads coming off of turkeys. That's but there's meant, a place for that, that there's right? There's a place for it, and there's something different. And, I, you know, I've been also, you know, I've filmed, you know, taking a turkey's head off with a bullhead, and it looks like a, a water fountain of blood coming out. And, and don't get me wrong, I I kind of guys like I, Guys I, like I us, we like it. I love it, yeah. I, I laugh at it, you know, and, and I laugh at it with all the respect in the world for these animals, but um, at the same time. But, you know, when... Uh, when you're when you're a dad, at least the way I look at it from this standpoint, when you're a dad of two girls, maybe I'd felt different if I was raising boys hunting, but girls hunting, I was always very self-aware of how I wanted to portray to portray hunting and myself as a dad who hunted to them. That's a good point. In particular, to those two girls and as it progressed and I started working with youth in different volunteer events that were in the outdoors, uh, with our Delta waterfowl chapter with the NWTF chapter, uh, being a hunter ed instructor, I'm still a 4-H archery instructor. In fact, tomorrow night's our first shoot for this year. So I'm working with these kids, um, 50% of which are girls too. And again, I gravitate to that because I'm a dad of girls. So I'm, I've just always been very, self-aware of how I wanted to project myself into that age group. Right. I mean, Hey, I can joke with, you know, with teenage boys all day long and we can be teen, you know, I can be a teenage boy with them and all that. And, but when you're around girls, it's a little bit different. And when you're a father girls, it it definitely makes a difference. So maybe I think that's kind of what steered it. You know, um, somebody asked me one time, like, how did you come up with the name of your production company, new day outdoors productions? I was like, well, you know, I mean, I could have easily been uh, badass turkey thug 102 productions or whatever, you know what I mean? Or I could have been, you know, whatever. But I was like, I wanted something that just, you know, portrayed 
well of me to my daughters. That was the whole thing. Right. And so as I've progressed over the years and trying to film hunts, it's really been trying to take, take a little bit of the edge off the gorier parts. I mean, it's still there. There's sure. still blood there. Sure. The turkey I killed this year. I showed his neck, you know, cut wide open. You could see there was blood on the ground, but it was, it wasn't glorified and it was, it was, and it wasn't like passed over, but it wasn't really focused on at the same time either, if that makes sense. So I've just really tried to do it that way. And another thing that, that as I've filmed over the years, I, I started out doing just like everybody else, what we saw Jackie Bushman do back in the late eighties and early nineties and what we saw the real tree guys do through the nineties and everybody else. And it's just the same crappy stuff. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I love it. And so I decided that I wanted to try and a big changing moment for me was when Heartland Bow Hunter came out and I was like, man, here's guys who are filming on DSLRs. Uh-huh. They're, they're producing at 24 frames per second where everybody else is producing at 30 or 60 frames per second. They're incorporating B-roll. They're incorporating slow-mo. And I was like, man, I want to emulate that. I want to do that. And as I went down that avenue, I started figuring out how to do it, but to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bit, another big changing event for me was about three years ago, I started doing uh, a series, and I'm still doing it today, three years going, called uh, SNS in 60. And what it is is Saturday and Sunday in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Every weekend of my life for the last three years, I document in 60-second video. And I do it with no no conversation, no verbiage, whatever. It's all tell the story. Tell the, the story with so, the video and the imagery. So, what did Derek do in his lame weekend? Did he just mow the grass and go to the grocery store? And maybe go out to eat with his wife. Okay, maybe it's Super Bowl Sunday. He just sat around and watched Super Bowl, or maybe he went deer hunting because it's deer season, or turkey hunting, or, or he worked on a food plot, or whatever. And I wanted to be able to tell that story in 60 seconds. And the whole goal to do that was because at the time that was the limit on Instagram. Sure. I'm like, well, this is something I could put on Instagram. And then I found out that was a pain in the ass. So I just started putting it on YouTube and I did a couple of them. I'm like, well, this just feels clunky and choppy. And then, then I started thinking, I'm like, well, here's the problem. Like, I've got to get from A to B and then from B to C and, and you can't just go and be at A and then at C, you've got to go A, B, Transitions. C. Yeah. And so how, how did I get here today? Well, I went out, I got in my truck, I drove up here, you know, and all that. So if I was documenting just coming up and hanging out with you guys, mm-hmm. well, I could easily just say, Hey, I'm going up to see Scott and the boys at top 10%. See you there. I walk in the door. Here we are. And I just film this. Right. Or I could not say that. And I could just go get in my truck and we could film. I could film the, the Michigan line as I come up I-69, you know, the sign there. And I could film the cold water exit. And to do all this in one second clips for something like that, very short. And it, it also occurred to me at that time, if you watch a really good action-packed um, commercial, mm-hmm. sometimes even shorter TV or things on TV, sit there and watch scene to scene and count to yourself 1,001, 1,002 rarely is there a clip that's longer than two seconds right this we we do this narrative thing in the hunting industry where we like to hear ourselves talk for three minutes long and it's the most boring goddamn thing in the world i'm sorry we have to do that every week you know 
<laughs> and and so I I don't like watching that. I and agree. so when I watch a YouTube video hunting, a lot of times, unless it's really pertinent, like if you're hunting in Iowa, I kind of want to know you are. So I'll just skim through it and just get to the meat and potatoes. I'm like, there's got to be a way to tell the story. So I started developing this way in these 60 second videos of my weekends of how to tell an accurate story of my weekend that's engaging. And if it gets views, I really don't give a shit. Right. Honestly, my mom's probably my biggest fan of those, that's you know, awesome. and she hates all the hunting stuff. <laughs> right. And so, so I, I do those, but what that taught me was, was how to tell that story. And so then now I can produce a seven or eight minute hunting video. I can submit a film to say the Badlands Film Festival that I did last year. Right. And how do you tell that that's not long drawn out stuff, even when that deer comes in and that deer, uh, that deer, like I filmed a deer that I killed last year. And from the time I saw him, I killed him probably was 10 minutes and it took him 10 minutes to come that 70 yards or what it was till I cut, till I killed him. Man, to sit there and as exciting as it is for me to watch, sit there and watch 10 minutes of footage of him coming in, for you guys to watch it, you're like, oh, damn, this is boring. Get to where he does something cool. Right. So how do you take and chop that up and just take the key moments and then take another camera angle of you or a camera angle of this and tell, and now you can condense all that in and tell a story without verbiage. You don't need the verbiage. Let the footage talk. And the problem that guys have in trying to tell a story the old way is they don't have the visuals to tell the story and it takes to tell a story like that. It takes a lot of camera work. It takes, it takes additional cameras, different angles. Maybe a guy go back and you got to shoot um, just footage of you in a tree or your release hanging there or something like that. So you can work stuff in. Go back. Um, Did you say go back? Yeah. yeah you sometimes you sometimes actually you have, have to go to, back. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that you are cheating it right. because that really happened. But sometimes you have back. to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to stop you, but that's been Scott and I've been on another tangent as far as like, that's what we've been looking at. And my biggest thing from the start of my inception on trying to push this stuff through is just screaming, tell the damn story. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and with like, do it with your mouth shut. Like we shouldn't have to do, it's good to do the intros and the things that we do. Cause we like that. We like to do, but like, I don't know the one like Scott's Turkey hunt. We told the story, we told everything that we did. We broke it down and we broke it down in 16 minutes and we just added in just a little bit of that commentary for story, me. The story wasn't told what he's talking about. No, it wasn't tell, told you fully. Tell, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but for you to get that 60 seconds, you got to have what? How many six hours, hours of footage oh, and on my Saturday, Sunday videos. I'll have in a, like the one I just did, my daughter graduated college this last weekend and I did the video today and that 60 second video was comprised of over 150 video clips. Yeah. So see, that's what I'm saying. Like it, you can't tell a story if you're not, if you you're not going to take camera. three pictures and 10 minutes a roll and tell a story. You're not going to do it. That's right. Another thing that's too is, we failed. and yeah. another thing and before you, yeah. you yes. can still put together a good production with dialogue, with and, and it's got its place. My turkey hunting video I did this year from my one in Indiana, there's about a, mm, 45 seconds of me saying, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing because I needed to kind of set the stage for it because of the way the season was progressing. But while I'm telling that story, I'm also overlaying footage from the prior five or six hunts, you know, of a hen or in the decoys or well, some jays it's a seasonal. Or, it's, it's, or this and that, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, so you're, you're – you, 
if it's just me looking at me in the camera, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I can look in the mirror at all day at myself, but man, (laughs) that gets boring looking at me for anybody else. I'm not that good looking. Well, you know, I I love everything he's saying. Well, I do too. I, and you know, and we were talking off record about that stuff and it's like, you should be able to, to generate, there's certain places for the commentary. There's certain places for that dialogue. And yeah, I mean, if everybody, if we watched a full season of our stuff, they wouldn't know what state we're in. They wouldn't necessarily know what was happening until after we harvested. They wouldn't know if it was turkey. They wouldn't know where we were going. They wouldn't, if I'm fishing, they wouldn't know what fish I'm, I'm targeting. Shit, half the people don't even know who top 10 is. Well, that's the problem is, is because like we. Character wise. Yeah, I, but that's, that's setting the new. I guess our image, our image and our, I guess our stamp as who we are and, you know, me and you and Kyle and Jeremy and everybody that's, you know, on the forefront and in front of the camera, that's what we're trying to do. But we don't need to have, like he's saying, Derek's got it right on the money. I don't need to see, they don't need to see 10 minutes of Dan. I'm, I'm the, God knows they don't want to see any of me. I'm notorious (laughs) of not, Filming. Not enough. I told you the other day when we talked. Like, I literally, what I've accomplished, not the. You're doing a lot better, though. Like, you're doing all the short stuff, and you're doing a lot better. I know, but what I've done in the last nine acres. Yeah, the last nine acres. Nine acres in the last day and a half, right? Nine acres. Yeah, but you got plenty of footage of that. You've been doing. I didn't get a whole lot of You didn't get enough, but you got some. No, like last night, I literally. Could have told the story of this is my back. It could have just been a simple backyard. Yeah. Backyard, top 10 proving ground. This backyard will produce that 130 whenever I want it or well, for whoever I want well, it's it. it that, that would make a good story. Oh, that's a standalone story. What really would rock that story is the harvest, the, the harvest down the line too, that you don't, but the, here's the deal. You got to tell the story of that backyard just on that merit alone. And then if you're fortunate enough, six, eight months from now Dial to back. have a heart to have a harvest over it, then the story just progresses. And man, that is like the icing on the cake at uh-huh. that point in time. I watched, I watched a series I don't even remember the dude's name on YouTube. Just some dude. I was just scrolling and typing in on YouTube, like different things. Cause I'm like this type of guy. I was like, if I can't do it right now, I got to find an immediate way to do it tomorrow because time is in essence. Don't put something off. And that's my, not my engineering, my bullheadedness. If there's work to be done, don't put it off. Mm-hmm. Do not put it off. Nope. And it drives me nuts. So I'm scrolling, scrolling. I watch this dude literally spray. Next video was turn the ground. Next video was seed it. Next video was he, and he didn't talk a whole lot. He just went in there, did the work, did some work, showed where his tree stand was. Not high quality video when I was watching it. And it finally got to the results. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of skipping over and I watched a little bit of each video. Then I got to the results of what I was looking for. Huh. That I like that. That'll work. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We, but I watched his series to get to that result. 
but you were, you, why did you watch it? You were engaged because there was something that was telling the story. There was something that was leading you up to that point. I'm going to give you another series. Anybody down there that's listening, will will go into a whitetail spin. There's one that is on, and I think it's on the, their YouTube channel for meat eater. And if you haven't checked it out, it's called a week in November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that very good. It is a, I mean, that is a textbook kind of what I want to see out of the stuff and what's going to change in the top 10. I want to be able to tell these stories. They take each day, the first week in November and they tell a story. They got what a half a dozen guys. I think Derek mm-hmm. that's hunting. Uh, yeah. Three or four, I four, four yeah, maybe in like yeah. there. It's, it's engaging because there's no commentary at times. You might see some text messages that they're, they're adding into the video feed, the delivery of the production and the amount of, stuff that leads up to each and, and they spread the harvest well throughout. I think they harvest on the first day and one, and then there's like, it goes like two days before they get another one. And it really tells typically what all of us as avid whitetail guys know to be true of the first week of November in let's call it 80% of the country, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it really does a good job of telling that story without really a lot of extra and, and, and it does the same thing you're saying, Scott, like with the land management side. And I think that's it. And I think it's all to be said in the telling story. And every, everybody out there, and this is like we were talking about earlier, everybody out there has got a camera. Everybody out there has, they got a cell phone and they got a, they got a YouTube channel. And it requires so You've got to step up the game. It does. Extra work. So I'm hat off to you, Derek. I mean, because you're the, starting to do this and we want to get to that production level. Yeah, yeah your production stuff is 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 phenomenal. Thank and you. I can't wait to go through, and I want to dial back into some of, just because I like to see challenge, so I want to dial back into, like, your early, you oh, know, your I early 60 laugh. seconds to, yeah. like, now, yeah. and see just where you, and I'm, I'm, I get focused on the weird things, like the transitions and those stuff that I feel like people miss you get like a standard I hate like a standard fade or a standard scroll and it's hard to get away from that when you're doing those hard you know one second intervals or, yeah, or things so, like that yeah so I do I most all my transitions are hard cuts just are hard just, cuts I will do now like say the because in a 60-second video that's a Saturday to Sunday, there's a transition from Saturday to Sunday. So there's always a dark fade at the end of Saturday and a, and a dark fade in from Sunday, you know, if it's that transition from one to the other. But most of the time, and even in my hunting stuff, unless it's the very intro coming in, say once the splash, which uh, my splash screen is just my it's an old photo that I took years ago over my pond that's got my logo and it comes up. It's 15 seconds long. I, I don't have like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the one minute of nothing, but you know, uh, deers, you know, getting killed and you see the same thing over and over again. So I keep it very short and then I'll black it. You know, I might black fade in from there, but generally at that point in time, it's all hard cuts, you know, unless you can come up with some creative camera movement that leads you into something else. But, right. you know, really it's, again, it's letting the visuals tell the the story, um, going back and getting the things you need. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I like to do is I, I like to have one or two drone clips, you know, in a film. And so I, and I've had guys who are like, well, my, for example, my turkey kill this year is there's actually drone footage of the decoys out in front of the blind and the drone passes from the from beyond the blind backwards down across the top of the decoys and i had a buddy of mine goes you went out there and flew that flew that drone and then killed that turkey a couple hours later i said no 
I said about three days later, we had the exact same weather conditions. Mm-hmm. And I went I back went out there and to I made that it field Yep. Before the sun came up, my wife's like, my wife is always like, are you serious? You're doing this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. She's like, but you don't have to get up. I'm like, yeah, I do. So I go out there, I take all the gear, exactly the same. Uh-huh. And I go set up and I run the drone in my, in, in the blind and I get those shots that I want. And I've done it with deer videos, whatever, or we go, you know, I go out there and I get audio that I will need. Like, yeah, we were talking about that yeah. earlier off record. Yeah. yeah. I mean, different clips and things like that. If you're, just, you need, if you're walking through a cornfield, you know, to get from A to B, your deer stand or, you know, your turkey hunting place or whatever, having that clean audio that sounds like you're actually walking through a cornfield, it just sets the stage so I'll go out with a boom pole and my audio recorder and I'll find a dry bean be, or a cornfield or a dry bean field or a wet cornfield or wet. And I'll record all these clips at walking at different paces and I catalog all that stuff. I got all this library of folders of all this, these sounds. And then I can go back and I can lay them back in and I can look like, okay, man, I was really hoofing it to get there. I need a faster paced one or I'm just right. walking normal speed. I just, you plug that one in and then you time, you look in your, your, uh, in the edit, you, okay, here's one each step. So I got to match the step sound with that and get right. it all paced. Right. And, yeah. and it might be, it might be, I was telling you about a, a wood duck scene in a hunting video. I filmed some wood ducks on this little flooded spot on a day I killed a deer and I happened to have some wood duck video from a couple of years prior and the wood ducks that morning were really loud making their, you know, their, their, they don't, so, their squeak sound. So I dubbed that sound, that audio over it, and it really sets the tone for the viewer, you know? Well, I think, you know, it's just like, I, you know, there's going to be, I don't know, I haven't really given Cooter the footage yet to do whatever with it. we got a couple other things we got to add to it, but it was the same thing with me. Like, I'm building building a story about the, the latest member of the Brethren, and it's literally seven minutes of, I mean, realistically, it's seven minutes of stupidity on my part. But it's, it's doing exactly what you're saying. It's taking those audio clips. It's taking all those things that I already had from other stuff that I had done and putting that into the box and then shaking it all up and making a fantastic production that I, I, we won't go into so, a bunch of that. But, like, I, I know I see your gears turning over there, Scott. Like, I see so much more. And, obviously, we're not trying to teach you guys that are listening to the podcast on how to film or whatever. But if you're out there and you're doing it, I mean, take notes because the stuff that Derek's doing is great. And I think that we're trying to express the stuff that you can expect from not only us but from him and coming out of any of the stuff that's coming from the production that's going to the well, Magnus channel and your YouTube channel. and Well, and, and you know, you got to understand, too, like the stuff I do isn't necessary for anybody who just has a YouTube and wants to do no. it. It's just my OCD that I've got and wanting to, wanting to do better and be more creative. And I get, you know, and here's the deal, like... It's my, artistry. My YouTube channel is monetized. YouTube actually pays me. Sure. And it's more than what people would actually think. Sure. And so... Those subs that you get, you get those subs for a reason. So you get these guys that are like, man, I only got like 300 subs. You know, it takes a thousand to get monetized. And, you know, how do you get three, four or 5,000 subs to your channel? And like, well, you don't, you don't get it by doing what you're doing. No. The only way you get it is to improve and build upon and, and get something where that those viewers want to come back. Like uh-huh. there's a reason that they're subbing to your channel. It's not because you ask them to, they want to come and see what you're doing next and see where you progress. 
and go back. I've had some of them make comments like, dude, I had to go back like six years to look at your, some of your stuff. I'm like, holy cow, look where you've come from since then, you know? Well, and that's, that's a lot of adding that variety and that spice into it too, where like I see a lot of times that, um, there is, and I'm going to use another, another company out there that I've talked about in the past is the stuff that the radical does. Those guys mix it up constantly with whether it's anywhere from 10 seconds to 10 minutes to occasionally you'll see a 20 minute, but not. And usually that's a 20 minute compilation of multiple hunts for a season over, you know, overview and those things that they're doing. And that's a YouTube, you know, they're YouTube based. I mean, they're all over, but that's really where those guys got, you know, a lot of what they have going is going Mm -hmm. through that. And you'll see 10,000, 12,000 people looking at stuff and you're going, man, 12,000 people looked at that 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And, and you honestly, a lot it's like, to be said, it's like what you and I were talking earlier. The actually, a lot of times the shorter you go, the, the more your views are because you know, it's so uncomfortable to sit there and watch a 15 or 20 minute hunting show on your phone. I'm, it's much easier to watch a 30 or 60 second reel, reel. or TikTok or, or YouTube short. Um, you know, so again, you, you that's what's going to get the views and get the eyes. And so if you can figure out, you know, how to do TikTok type or real type of a length of videos uh, for YouTube, it's just going to get a lot of eyes. That's your, your engagement. And, the, you know, the beauty of all the streaming platforms, you know, whether it's YouTube, Carbon TV, whatever, is you, you now you're not married into that 22-minute window that you were always married to, into with actual TV where right. you got, you know, commercial time and all that. So possible. Yeah, so you can get away with an eight-minute video um, one week and a fifteen-minute video the next week. So, well, and, and you know, and, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make this really, really raw and uncut for a second. So, the average time that it takes somebody to sit down on the toilet and take a crap is about the amount of time that you're gonna captivate their attention span to watch something on a normal level on their phone. So let's call that. 20 minutes to 20 seconds to, to three minutes. You know what I mean? Most people are going to be in that window. So that puts it right in that real spectrum. I know that sounds really crazy to say. Oh, when they take a shit. Yeah. Lunch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or their drive. Right. You know what I mean? Like their drive. I mean, obviously that's the whole thing with the podcast is a captive audience while people are sitting there. That's why I try and keep everything to where we're at right now. And I haven't even looked at the time. I didn't even realize how long we've been doing this, but like we sit here and we go into, and I look at like, okay, we're usually approaching that hour window. And I think, all right, in an hour's period of time, a lot of people drive 25 minutes to a half hour to work. You can get them there and you can get them on the way home. Maybe the next day on the way there, maybe they're more engaged in their morning coffee or not when they're you know in traffic. But it's one of those things where once you get to a certain point, you lose attention spans, you lose followers, your content suffers because it's too much at that point. And let's look at where the new, the new standard is. The new standard is 13 to 16 minutes and maybe a 20 to 21 minutes max. And if you're running weekly drops, like we were talking about off record, you're with time they add in commercialization, mm-hmm. you're 20 minutes. I mean, that's, that's it. Yep. But to get 20 minutes of footage and 20 minutes of quality footage, you're going to have hours, 10, 12 hours, hours, thousands of clips. Yeah. And, you know, and to do honestly to do a really good quality edit, 
it there is about an hour of editing time for every minute of video. Length. I would agree. Yeah, I would so agree. an eight minute video is an eight hour workday. I mean, if you think about it, and that doesn't even count all the hours of filming time and, and all that stuff. And that's you doing your own stuff. Now, if you've got video guy, if you got hunters that are out filming, now you the editor, all of a sudden you've got to go through and know all their footage. When I edit my own stuff, I already know it you because know. Yeah. you know I know it. I know what I shot. I know where to go. But if you send me, you know, a thumb drive that's got you know countless hours, yeah, yeah. Th- then I I literally have to sit there and watch it all to under be like okay. You know, here's where Dan did this, or here's where he did that, you know, and, and plug that stuff in. Well, I think there's a lot to be said with that too, because I think there's, there's something that you can go in and you can pull that footage. Like you said, if you're yourself, if you're not, but I think if you're trying to build that spectrum, that's what we've created. And I don't, I don't want to dig into what we're doing really, but like you try and create a checklist for yourself. I know for me, I know what I want to see. I know where I need to be. I try and put it and then I try and folderize it and I categorize it. That way, when I hand it off to our editor, I have what I need to have. Granted, this spring has gotten crazy with Turkey and all we, we, we footage. We actually did very, very, very well. We put out eight videos right eight to 12 minutes i mean yeah i mean we pounded those out quickly which were good yeah what cooter and now asa kind of coming in that what if they've done but what derek has gave me insight on is me kyle and yourself and even jeremy we got to go out and i know brandon's not a recreating kind of editor but yeah, what, he likes what, to have the but, stuff there to be able to but, sit down and go, okay, right. I want to build it right from what right. you've done. I, and like even me, I try and have, I try and get as much as I can in that moment. And that's why I run multiple camera angles too. But every yeah. once in a while you need to, but what you I know, like, come what back I like and get what something. What you said was you would go out there and film walking through the corn, save it. Film walking through whatever, save it. Driving around, you stop, there's a muskrat standing on a piece of ice. You film that. Yep. Because it could be a crick that you're sitting by. You're really not sitting by that crick. You never it know. Might be a perfect opportunity. But you're telling a story. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Be, you know what I mean? Just inventorying and, and going, all right, yeah. B roll, B roll, B roll, B roll. Well, I love that so, aspect, but so, I got to get my ass up. So there's a difference. It. There's a difference in doing that and in the way the old the old way it used to be. So the old way that you know through the '90s and in real tree, you know, monster bucks and all that stuff. And this is not a knock on them, but you got to remember back then when they were filming, they had this, they had one giant expensive video camera with them. That's Mm -hmm. it. So all they could ever get was if I'm filming you in the tree was getting that animal. They didn't have the ability now with hell. They didn't have cell phone. Right. They didn't have have cell cameras. I mean, now your iPhones and your, your Samsung smartphones, they take such incredible footage, your GoPros and action cams, 360 cams. Now you can get multiple angles easily of yourself in the tree, but you're still sometimes going to miss something. Sure. Um, or be like, you know, just I need just a punch in that just looks a little better. I mean, maybe you got, you know, the GoPro catching you, like starting your draw cycle, but you're like, I'd really like to have like a really good punch in of that. There's no shame in taking your camera, spinning around and just drawing back an arrow and being done. Like, you're not faking anything. That's what happened. You're just giving the viewer just a little more artistic look to it. Something different that differentiates you from somewhere else. Back in the day, you know, they, they, 
they do that. And then, then they'd have to go back and they'd be like, okay, take your hair out of your quiver and do this and, you know, right. do that and all this different stuff. You know, when a whole nother day of production. Yeah, exactly. Well, different. And, and so it is different, but there are things that you can go out and shoot after or before uh, that you can use in certain situations. You know, I mean, you were just talking about the Creek. Well, I mean, where I shot my buck this year, there's a little stream that flowed through. There's a little flooded area right there. I mean, I, there would have been no shame in, in putting a muskrat, you know, footage of muskrat swimming up a creek because there's a there's a creek there. It's no big deal. It added to it. There were wood ducks that came in that morning and they were swimming around. I filmed them. I just needed better audio because, quite frankly, where I killed that deer was right next to a highway. So all you had was just this highway noise. Right. I wanted something that sounded good to, to match with it. So I just took some the 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 audio from some wood duck footage on a quiet swamp and laid it in there because the the audio from that hunt was kind of trash anyway because of this highway so i went out you know and 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 i had all this nice audio that had highway noise way off in the distance so you still had that feel it just it made it more pleasurable because it's just like a well i mean a podcast is all audio but in video i mean if you got trashy audio then people don't want to watch it you yeah. know if you got wind noise on your mics and you don't have a muff properly you know yeah. i had to trash some some audio from my uh, recent uh turkey hunt because uh there was a little video clip and the wind was rushing and i was using a small action camera i didn't have a muff on it and it, just, it sounded like trash i'm like well i'm not gonna use it because the audio just ruins the experience yeah that was the only thing that i noticed sometimes on the the audio like especially with an iphone iphone does a pretty good job of picking it up and not not picking up the wind noise but i did find a product i don't know if you're running an iphone or not at all for a secondary camera but i did find a product that plugs in that's a micro it's a micro muffed mic for mm-hmm. the for it that i mean we probably should look at some more of those for yeah, more in the field. get a, get a few because problem i have filming deer plain and simple there's only one camera guy I'll ever put in the tree with me. Only one. Yeah. That's my son. Yeah. Everybody else has ruined well, what I'm going after if I've had him in the tree with me. Mm-hmm. And what makes it hard to is, have faith in somebody in the tree with you that way? I got to have one camera. So when you were talking about if I got multiple cameras, that there's 173 inches. If I have a multiple cameras, I'm gonna fuck something up. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna fuck something up. So one camera. He's a push play. Big. He's a push play push record he's guy. Record, but what he was talking about now. But there's automated systems and things with the phone. Our what? film from Kyle's Missouri book, uh-huh. sheet of ice. Right. I mean, I'm literally like, you gotta go in that food plot. He's like, all right, you want me to go in the food plot? I, said, I can't get in the stand because the ice. I literally, my fat ass is not getting up there because you got to go between two trees to get in the stand. So I get up there and I bang the ice up. You know, and I'm like, all right, go up. Get him tied in. He slides right in there. I said, get all the ice off. It's all the ice off. I leave and ain't Buck's down. Target Buck's dead. I'm like, son of a gun. So I run over there, jump in the tree immediately, and I'm filming him with the phone. Because he literally went up there with the, he got beautiful footage. I mean, mm-hmm. you could see the smoke, mm-hmm. all the steam and everything. Yeah, it was, it was and, it's and good. It's just crisp, clean. And I just said, Jenny, he goes, I don't have one camera, bro. I'm not trying to run. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you yeah. Know. Going back and creating. So yeah. I held the Gotta phone go back. up there and nobody would have known because everything, and you could literally see him come over the muzzle loader and, 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 you know, got the perfect yeah. footage of him. And I'm like, all right, 
This is how we're going to do it from now on. Well, the phone freaking takes great video. And the GoPros yeah. might be better now. They didn't used to be, yeah. They, but yeah, every time I used to try to hit a GoPro, like, and I'm looking at well, that, next thing you know, 170 yeah, so, bucks walking So there's by, some like, tricks oh to God. that. There's some <laughs> tricks to that. Um, we'll share you a little... Share a little insider trick with you. So yes, the GoPros and stuff have gotten better, and uh, uh, all the action cams across the board doesn't matter the brands. But um, one thing that they've got that's very valuable to hunters is what they call looping mode. Looping mode. So what you do is you take your GoPro or other action cam and you set it on say a fifteen or twenty minute loop, and so and then you plug in, take a. Uh, battery just like you would take for your phone one of the external battery bricks you mm-hmm. plug it in so that becomes your power source for your action camera mm-hmm. and you run it in looping mode so you set up in the tree you hit record and that thing's just sitting there running continually just records running. Continually 15 minutes recording. at a time yep. and it, it records 15 minutes and it starts writing over the early part of it and just keeps looping and then so now all of a sudden when that deer comes in you're yep when that deer comes in all of a sudden now, from the time he comes in, you shoot him and all that, all you have to worry about is after you shoot him, stop the record. And you've got the last 15 minutes. So you've got everything there of you drawing your bow, shooting mm-hmm. it, whatever. The 360 cams that work that way, I mean, they all do now. And it's a valuable tool. Right. And I would never lean on an action cam as my primary footage. But they give you that different perspective. And another it angle. Used, it used to suck because I was in the same boat. It'd be like, okay, I, I remember to turn on my main so, camera. I got to reach up and turn this camera so on, this camera on. Not six, anymore. So that, yeah, we, we, could get, we could roll on this. So that 360 GoPro or even like these, these yeah. jokers right here. Yeah. Yeah. These are nice cameras. What do we got? Four of them? Three. Three? We have three. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Three. But these are for supposed to be in here. Yeah. Yeah, they're right? for, for what them. we do in here. But well, yeah. we could use them in the field. I yeah. Use them in the field. Yeah. So, so you'd I, you'd take get yourself a little uh, magic arm with a super clamp or uh, fourth arrow. If fourth arrow's got a couple of different products, and you just screw that on the end and you hit loop record and just let it run. And now all of a sudden, now and you've you got ca- a battery pack. Right. Yeah, external battery external packs. Battery That's what I was saying pack. before. That's so what, what I take about. my packs, my these uh, external battery packs, which are about cell phone size. I take a piece of paracord and I make a big loop on the end. I duct tape it around there, and now I can hang that right there next to however the camera is, and I got just the cable that runs into the back of the camera. Just let it run, and it's attached right to the arm. Yeah, now I've killed that turkey, or I've killed that like my turkeys this year. Okay, so I've got a I've got an action cam out in the decoys. I kill that turkey. I, I do my little, what I do in the blind afterwards, I walk out the, before I go to the turkey, I walk to the action cam and I hit the start stop on the record. And now I've got the last 20 minutes or whatever it was that that was running. Yep. And when I go back, I just sort through the footage and like, okay, here he, he comes around the blind, walks right up. He beats the crap out of the decoy. He gets head chopped. He flops off out of frame. I've got all that prime footage right there yep. that I need. Yeah, I, that's kind of the way that I did it too. I run the external pack on the my mini tripod right in my decoys this year too for, for when I was running it for secondary camera. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had a secondary camera with my phone in, in the blind. This shit? I, I mean, I told you guys when we talked I about mean, this, I told Cooter. I literally killed <laughs> it's, it's, it, two turkeys this year. Well, and, and so I self-film everybody uh, or everything I do. I self-film and guys are like, how are you getting like four camera angles? I'm like, the, this, that, that, this that is the way you do it. That 360 GoPro is what I need 
for when I'm out. I got some other ideas for I'm you that we're not going to talk I'm, about on record, but I'm, I'm going to give you some. Yeah. Like when I was doing that, I should have had a 360 when I was out. Because even if it was just the last five minutes of what I did last last night, because mm-hmm. when it ended, you can't capture that. You can't talk about it. No. Because when, when that dirt was done, the smell of diesel yep, and the sweat, and the and the sun come down. You can't recreate. It. I no, can't you can't give you the picture. But that's but that's the, the moment. You know like, what I mean? Yeah. That's the moment that that's what we're talking about yeah, about like, telling the story like, and doing whatever. So yeah, literally, if I had that footage, you're gonna go because at the end, I'm gonna have the proof. Right. You're gonna be like, damn, this guy does know it. This fat man knows what he's talking about. He <laughs> literally went out there and painstakingly put seed into the ground. To create that funnel, that trap, yep, that back door, mm-hmm. because so I gotta have it on film. Yeah. So, and you know, here's another thing that that I'll I'll expand upon on what example you're talking about right there is if you do that, and you do the next thing, you know, or the next hunting thing or whatever. Ultimately, your final products, your final footage, and your edits will end up being better. Because here's where so many people fall flat on their face when it comes to filming hunts and trying to put out production stuff. They only pick up a camera when they go hunt. Okay. Now I will tell you right now that I have a camera in my hand. 90% of the time. Yeah. 90% of the days of the year. I actually, during COVID, it wasn't even intended, but COVID seemed to be the great year that landed. I challenge myself in a photography standpoint. Yeah. I wanted to create one quality photo image every day of the year. And I did it the whole oh, year. Wow. And the only way you get better shooting photos and shooting video is to do it. Is to do it. And so the more you shoot and what and then if you start shooting, the more you do it and and the more you edit, you start all of a sudden shooting with the edit in mind. You're like, you you don't shoot as just some guy with a camera. You start thinking, okay, wait a second. Now I've got to produce this product. So I know that I need to get this type of image or I know that this angle because I've done this so much and seen what it looks like in the edit that if I take my camera and instead of having it here, I move it over there five feet. It just yep. gives a different perspective and you learn. And the only way you can do that is by doing just what you're talking about, Scott. And that's to make yourself go out and film all the mundane shit yeah. that you'd never would never would have filmed to begin with. Well, and that creates creative artistry is what it does. It takes, you know, obviously I've taken pictures forever and in, in all those things, but not to the level of, what I probably should have, or I haven't recorded footage the way that, you know what I mean? I could dig back into lots of different things that I have, but it's one of those things where like without looking at it and seeing it. And I think I see things differently just because of my creative background, but that may be not what somebody else sees, but what they want to see. And, and, and I know that's where you're going with that, Derek, is you're going, okay, well, I know that I need to take this picture with this light and this angle to get this point of view, but without taking that picture three times, four times, a thousand times, you're not going to know that. And everybody shies. They always want to put the sun behind them and they always want to do different things. We could go into a whole photography and videography course with this, but I think there's so much more to be gained by just challenging yourself 
like you did to get out there and do it. And that's why, and, and I'm going to spin this into like, I got, I got a podcast coming that I'm not sure who's going to be on with me, but I, I'm going to do it on, on what we talked about um, with Nick on goals and, and, and what you and I were talking about and like trying to set these goals. What's, what's your, you know, your video goals and what's all these things, what's your, what's your harvest goals and what's the, the perspective for you. And I think obviously that's going to lean into a good spot for me to transition. And I'm going to ask you, Derek, what's, what's coming for this next year and kind of wind things down. Cause we're an hour and 22 minutes into this and we don't want to bore people with, with craziness. Cause we could talk about this stuff for hours. Scott and I are all fired up about it, but you gotta, you gotta cut me off. I do. You got to. I do. Otherwise, I know where we'll go with it. But so, yeah, I mean, I I think there's a lot of things and setting goals. And that's kind of what I want to do is I want to take things into perspective, not just for me or for top 10 or for anybody and just say, hey, set yourself some goals or you won't have any expectations. You know, I mean, if you walk in the woods and, you know, you say, I'm going to buy a deer tag instead of saying like what we said, I'm going to kill 300, 350 inch deer this year in multiple States. That's what's going to happen. Scott says he's going to kill five, but he's going for five. He's got to beat Kyle, Kyle four last year. So, and I may get sneaky. Maybe I'll add an extra two in there. I don't know. Maybe I may be a nice goal, but I mean, I'm, I'm being modest. Three is good for me. I'm good with it. Five on film. That's I'm three. I'm good with it. So Derek, what's your goals for this year? (laughs) Oh man, you know I'm, um, I'm I know I put you I'm, the hot wait, spot. Wait, wait. Let me reiterate: five one fifties on film, but I'm the guy that's going to run the tape measure. <laughs> oh God! <There> you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, my goals for this year are really just to just to keep progressing, and and you know, I like to get a couple real good deer hunts. You know, self filmed on video every year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last year I killed three bucks and and a doe and uh you know two of them turned into really nice productions um one i failed to hit the record button it happens even though those with that many (laughs) this many years of experience Uh, and the other was a rifle kill and when the when the recoil i bumped the camera arm and it just screwed the footage all up so i just didn't even do anything with it but got some Um, got some b-roll for some yeah (laughs) i did i did um uh but anyway so yeah so it's it's really it's just kind of really progressing that there is a film festival coming up this summer that uh i'm going to be working on a film for which Um, one's that is that badlands or is that no badlands is at ata every year i did two films for that one last year i did not like to do some stuff for them too i didn't make the final cut um i'm not bitter about it well okay maybe a little but that's (laughs) That's some bullshit. Well, that film festival, there's a lot of politics involved and uh-huh. stuff, and and but it is what it is. And I, but I was very proud of the two films that I, I put in, and that I got a lot right of ass to kiss. Yeah, I, I found you said that. Yeah, um, so <laughs> it's a truth. But it anyways, truth. but yeah. I got a lot of Suck great this. feedback from people that I really value their creative input on, and it was a good learning experience. So there's another one this summer at the Mobile Hunter, Hunters Expo in South uh, East Ohio, or no, Southwest Ohio. So I'm going to enter a couple probably films in that. And, um, you know, again, just keep kind of grinding, doing my own thing. And, um, you know, the beauty of, of the world that I kind of live in is um, beyond Magnus. I'm really beholden to no one. And I'm beholden to them because I want to be because Mike is right. my dearest friend. I've got so much invested in that relationship, um, you know. And so just keep on, keep on going. You know, I'm at an interesting point in my life. I, I mentioned I had a daughter graduate college here, uh, mm-hmm. yes, or Sunday. And, 
um, watching her transition. She got engaged and, and watching her transition to her next set stage of life and my other daughter doing some exciting things. So all those things weigh in on my time and what I do and, and where my creative efforts go. And um, so, yeah, it's if getting out filming a lot of different stuff. You know, I film for, there's a, a couple different concert venues that I film some stuff for and do drone footage work for. I do a bunch of real estate stuff as well. And, you know, all that stuff plays into, again, it's time behind the wheel of that camera and doing different things. And you're like, man, how can you take what you learn and apply it here, you know, or how can you watch a, a show on Netflix, like an Ozark or something like that and say, man, I like what they did, whether it's the color grading or whatever, and how do I bring it into my, what I do in the hunting aspect? So again, it's just growing, it's working with good people, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, actually, to be honest, I haven't been up here in a couple of years and I took COVID was my excuse to just get away from the world. And now sure. that life is back and, you know, get up here and visit with you guys, you know, a little more and stuff and, uh, you know, just get back out now that we're finally allowed to, you know, get out and, and shake hands and mingle and drink beer with each other and stuff these days. So that's really it. I don't have any like specific target goals. I don't know what deer I've got. I, I, I always have... I always have some good deer to chase. I don't have, I don't have Scott Hunter, uh, size deer to chase typically, but I always have some good deer to chase and I sure. enjoy it. And Hey, you know, so even if they're on the outskirts, you just got to put that grind and uh, knuckle into that farm and keep on grinding. Well, you know, put that magic it, touch it in just motivates, suck them in. It motivates you to improve it, and progress. You know what? You, know what? You, you told me a few years ago about the whole top 10% name. And, and you know, the goal is is to get on that top 10% deer that you got on your property. And I, knowing the deer that I have, I generally do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they may be a 130 or a 135, but if that's your top 10%, what you got that's in your you area got. and yep. pressure, that's what you go for. And so that's what I'm always out there going for. Um you know, so again, those are my goals. They're really not that specific, but you know, it's just, I just enjoy what I do and, and just keep on getting better, you know? Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate, you know, the footage and stuff that you're putting out. It makes us want to be, you know, better at what we do. It makes me want to be better for sure and bring new ideas. I'm constantly on the forefront of trying to do something different that somebody else hasn't done um, with the stuff that to, just to try and give a creative angle or, and a lot of times I speak it and people don't understand what I'm talking about cause they don't see it the same way. And we're, we're just trying to get better at what we do. Just like you said, you know, challenging ourselves and, and, and improving and progressing yeah. again and, and trying to, you know, just get out there and grind and do more, you know, and, and, you know, keep good using the quality products that you guys are sending our way and you know, all that we, we appreciate it. And let me, let me get one more thing so you get a last plug out there. You do do work yeah, for people and people could contact you. How? Yes. Yeah. So I do, I do freelance work. I will, I will do editing work. I'll do filming work for photography work. And the best way to reach me is uh, probably through the social media channels. Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, obviously Derek Craig. I have a new day outdoors productions uh, Facebook page. Instagram, I'm New Day Outdoors. YouTube, New Day Outdoors. Please go to that channel, check out my videos, subscribe, like. In the days of algorithms, that plays into it, man. The yeah. more likes and subscribes you get, that's that's awesome. But check out my stuff. Um, you can message me, you know, any way, shape, or form. Uh, reach. You can reach out to Magnus and get a hold of me. There's a zillion ways to find me out there. So great. Um, 
But yeah, if you ever have any questions about Magnus products, tech support related, you're struggling with something, you just got a question on the products. Why should you choose a serrated versus another or this head versus that one? Just reach out to me and, and I'll have those discussions. I'm an open book really when it comes to our products at Magnus. I'm an open book uh, when it comes to filming and production and editing work. I mean, I'll I'll offer my advice on what camera you should buy or this or that, depending on what your budgets or, you know, it, you know, if you got questions, how did you get this shot? I'm I'm always there to tell you so you need some film you, you need some yep. yeah film yeah yep. yeah we've got some got some sources for you he's got plenty and yeah. you know check out his stuff and and you'll see why he's here with us you know obviously it's, it's more you know a, a business and a, and a friendship relationship that we've we've developed been, yeah, with it's him been, so it's been three years and then and but, to see your quality jump again it's just been fantastic so yeah Really, really appreciate your hard work, and that's what, you know, I'm glad you're back up here in headquarters. Don't be a stranger. Thank you. Thank you. And, Seriously, uh, the, the compliments mean everything to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah, no problem. Ass. Thank you. Well, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up with that on the kicking ass. So we're all going to get out of here, and uh, thank you again for listening to the Top 10% Podcast. And if you haven't uh, checked us out, on uh, our YouTube is now changing and getting ready to drop uh, basically a reload. Uh, find us on Carbon. Uh, look for us on a couple new venues possibly here soon. And also, again, look Derek up and find him and follow, like, subscribe, and hit that little dinger bell so you can see when the new stuff comes out. So, um, again, thanks for listening to the Top 10% Podcast. We'll catch you next week.